Hi, Frank. Hi, I'm here. Audacity's going. I see that we are on a time crunch. Yes. Hello, Jackie. Hey, Frank. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. Terrific. And there's Brandon. Hey, Brandon. Yep. Let's go. All right, let's go. The sweeter the honey tunnel, the vaster the podcast. What? This is episode 208 of Insert Credit, a relentlessly paced audio program where a panel of experts addresses a series of video game topics under the twin Democles-esque swords of a tight time limit and a horrible buzzer. I'm Alex Jaffe, and if I were to enter a video game cat into a cat show, it would be cats from the game Zero Wing. Wow, uh, I was just discussing the book "All Your Base Are Belong to Us" and how it has the title "All Your Base Are Belong to Us" just before the show, um, and how you shouldn't trust anyone who names a book that. Uh, my name is Frank Cifaldi, and if I were to enter a video game cat into a cat show, um, it would be whatever the cat's name that's in uh, Puss in Boots for the NES. He's got that uh, that extendo arm with the boxing glove at the end. I think that'd be pretty good at the show. Oh yeah, Percy Us in Boots. Thank you. I'm pretty good. I'm Brandon Sheffield, and if I were to enter a cat, video game cat into a cat show, uh, I can't think of a whole lot of cats right now, but Swery's The Good Life just came out. I mean, I guess it's White Owls' The Good Life, but it's kind of Swery's The Good Life. And uh, you can turn into a cat in that one, and uh, it's a little white Persian-looking cat. So you'd enter yourself into the cat show? No, I would enter that character turning into a cat, uh, and then she could uh, judge herself Oh, right, because as we've previously established, you do not empathize with player characters. That's correct. Uh, Joining us uh, this episode uh, is one of my own dearest friends and the community manager for Singularity 6, a game company you already know very well if you're listening to this episode several years from its release, Jackie Cole. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having me, everyone. Currently working on the game Palea, and I have to say that if I were to enter a video game cat into a cat show, it would be uh, the Palico from Monster Hunter World, because I feel like there's lots of outfit choices. Oh, good cut. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, designed from the get-go to be entered into a cat show. I think uh, you Mm -hmm. score our first point. Uh, I did not mention before the show that all of these episodes are scored, and whoever wins gets uh, the homework of designing a question for the next episode. Oh, good. Because our last episode was the Halloween special, I wrote all of them for this week, except for the dirtbag question, which we'll get to halfway through. So, Dirtbag. We'll get there. (laughs) We'll start with an original. Our parents told us that video games are going to rot our minds. But can games be used as tools for mental health? Yeah, why not? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Next one. Yeah, we did it. (laughs) The immersion quality of video games and the escapist quality can absolutely be leveraged for us to, oftentimes I think a lot of mental health challenges are anxiety or obsessive thoughts, um, circular thinking, and having those tools of escapism and immersion to change the track of your thought process, if designed the right way, can lead you to focusing on more positive thought cycles. In what way? Okay, one game that really comes to mind is Senua's Sacrifice. Now, that's not necessarily nurturing, but it is something that explores mental health topics. Let me go to one that's a little bit more comfy. Like, let's say something like Stardew Valley or Animal Crossing. Uh, Stardew Valley especially brings in characters like, I think uh, the name is Seth, who struggles with alcohol but finds redemption. 
and it does so in a very light touch. It's a very joyful interface. It's a very joyful art design. And you as a character get to have a very kind journey where the challenges aren't so immense that they can be triggering or remind you of your own real life anxieties, but still confront real life topics in a way that you can explore and then take back into your real world and say, oh, maybe this isn't so bad, or maybe there are other options for me. Uh, just so we don't get notes, the character is Shane. Shane, thank you. Very close. Yeah, I mean, I think video games in general can help people relax, which is kind of, I mean, it's a very basic way of looking at it, but that's definitely something right there. There are people who don't have control in their lives, and so being able to set up an, a Stardew Valley or Animal Crossing town the way you want it and have things moving smoothly can be not so much it's negative es escapism as like a way of sorting through things that you can't sort through otherwise in your real life seems pretty good as far as i'm concerned and i mean there's some there's some obvious things like games that are specifically made for this purpose zoe quinn's depression quest comes to mind sure. as, as an example of, of something that i think actually also meant to teach people about mental health issues uh, specifically depression that that maybe don't suffer from it through a simulation kind of upping the empathy there but i think also you know maybe to people who suffer from that seeing that it's like you know this it's not just you this is a thing here's how it works teaching more people about mental illness certainly helps with it in the real world mm -hmm. yeah that's true yeah and being able to simulate those experiences to better understand mm -hmm. them yeah is there a time that you've used video games for your own mental health sure other than just brandon's answer of like helps you unwind and relax you know keep, keep keeps keeps the brain happy um, that, that's about the extent of mine, I would say. Long day of work, need to come home and play a game to, to feel better. Yeah, or even um, games like Sky or Journey that can almost be used as meditation tools because of the mm. atmosphere and the music. Um, I think when feeling over overwhelmed and not wanting to think about strategy, even something like Stardew Valley, which can have the, the timer stress, um, those have been really helpful for me in grounding myself again. Yeah, when I'm all wound up from doing something or being stressed by various things, I will look for a specific kind of game to play that will pull me down a little bit and let me do something with my brain that doesn't use my brain. And <laughs> that's incredibly helpful for me. It sometimes it takes a long time to find which game that is, and then that can cause me additional stress. Uh, well, we're out of time, and I'm sorry there are no points awarded because the answer I was looking for was Brain Age. Brain Age oh, was okay. the correct answer. Oh, yeah, Brain Age. <laughs> right. That's not mental health, that's mental age. <laughs> mental stealth. Question number two. Why does every MMO feel so bad to play, and is that fixable? That's because people are awful, and you got to play with people. No, they need to be bad to play. It's important. <laughs> it keeps the the crowd a very specific type of person, and that's exactly what you want in an MMO, is to have only one kind of person playing it, right? Is that how it works? I don't think so. That's what I was kind of thinking, is trying to reach such a broad audience and being forgiving of certain player behaviors. I know something that we talk about a lot on the Singularity 6 team is machine learning and detecting behavior. And that's just the ongoing challenge, I think, across the internet is automatic detection of toxic behavior that isn't just in the way you type, but in the way you interfere with other people's games. And something that Thalia is aspiring to do is focusing only on the core skill mechanics that you get in a lot of MMOs, like fishing and cooking 
and harvesting and the things that create a really peaceful feeling that you can do with friends versus the competitive nature. And while I think that might only attract one player type versus what you were saying, Brandon, about about attracting more than one player type, it might be that community is best built when you have people with like values and don't try to address everyone. Yeah, that's true. I actually also, realistically, I don't think MMOs are really bad to play necessarily. You know, it, it depends on your type of thing that you like, but they have a lot in common, in my opinion, with free-to-play games where there's a lot of like, click this thing at the right time, move over here at the right time. And there is certainly a craft to that and making that feel better and more engaging. And I guess I'm talking about combat specifically, but you know, a lot of MMOs are actually really smooth and quite good to play. It's not the kind of thing that engages me personally, but I mean, I've played a bunch of them, just not for that for that long because I can't they don't get their hooks in me but those darn free-to-play games sure do and and they use a lot of the same kinds of stuff with cooldowns and distance being more important or timing being more important or or whatever versus doing an action thing I think MMOs are maybe maybe they're okay I also wonder if because MMOs are such huge population they start to replicate what it feels like to try and interact with people in real life and maybe that's not always the best Maybe. Yeah, that's true. Like you were saying about the specific communities sometimes being good. I do think that like, for example, if there were an MMO where only members of the insert credit forums were there, it would be a pretty chill place and everybody would help each other. You know, like when you have a good community that's positive, but insular due to being a niche or whatever, you can build a lot more on that. But then you have to worry about outside influences and stuff and and also worry about gatekeeping and whether you're keeping good people out and that kind of stuff. I don't know. It's a big question. In my experience, the problem I've had with MMOs is not the player base necessarily, but a sort of loose disconnect between your character and the world the uh, game is in, in that like it just kind of feels like it's this static thing that you're floating around in. It doesn't have that weight that comes with being a presence in the world, that it exists independently of you because it has to account for the many thousands of people who play it. And I'm wondering if that's something that's fixable. I don't know about fixable, but I, I agree with you that when you join an MMO, maybe you take a break for even a couple of years or a year, you come back and you go, wait, the level cap has changed. And what it means for me to be good at this game has changed. And that can be frustrating. Yeah, And how you fix that is... I think, an important question right now, as people really strive to find new destinations to have a daily lifestyle in digital worlds. Yeah, I just feel like it's hard to uh, impress the idea that you matter to the MMO game world. It's such a philosophical question because I wonder this. Now I'm thinking, well, how do I do that in my real life? <laughs> because we can also sort of fade into the background and disassociate. Um, Maybe I will. Yeah. Luckily, we're yeah. all solipsists here. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Everyone, everyone around us is an NPC. So, speaking of which, no problem there. Catch me up. Are emulation hobbyists saving video games or destroying them? <laughs> that is an excellently phrased question. I believe you're basing this on two recent Kotaku stories. Am I <laughs> am I on the right trail here? Uh, partially, yes. Okay, so Kotaku ran a story maybe a couple weeks ago. Whenever Metroid Dread came out, I don't remember about how hey, if you play Metroid Dread on an emulator on your computer right now, it's like actually better than playing it on the Switch. 
So maybe consider doing that, um, which a lot of people are mad about because uh, one could argue that encourages piracy. Oh, I don't even know if Kosaku ran a, uh, an article on the second thing, but uh, at least Patricia was tweeting about it. It's the same thing. Yeah, kind of the same thing, right? Switch Online version of uh, the N64 emulator is uh, kind of bad, apparently. I haven't gone into, I haven't looked into details, but, you know, apparently, you know, some graphical effects might be missing in, in parts of games. There's there's complaints of controller lag, though there always is complaints of controller lag. That is the uh, inspiration, I believe, behind this question. So let's go from there. Are emulator authors saving or destroying history? Um, yeah. What is the argument for destroying? The argument for destroying is that they're taking food away from the developers, which will discourage them from making any further games. Oh, so not history, but industry. Yeah. Are they destroying the industry? Yeah, I didn't say video game history. I said, are they saving or destroying video games? Video games. Got it. Okay. Is this also having to do with modding? Um, Not so much, because when you mod a game, you have presumably bought the game that you're modding. It's not really part of the piracy conversation, as far as I'm aware. Well, not for older stuff. I mean, all the ocarina of time texture packs since we're sticking on n64 here oh, you sure. know I, I, I don't think most of those people have purchased ocarina of time because there there is no path to like purchasing ocarina of time and getting the data off of it to mod so them people are pirates they probably bought it at one point which <laughs> isn't enough for nintendo i don't think any of this stuff would be available to anyone if emulation wasn't already a thing like if if Emulation wasn't established in the 90s and 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 didn't grow its own fan base of people revisiting the past. The market wouldn't have invented it. Um, it, it, it came from passion and then was exploited by the commercial industry. So, uh, yes, it absolutely is uh, saving video games uh, if you like anything even remotely old. Brandon, counter argument. <laughs> mm -hmm. I was sorry. I was looking up how to correctly pronounce Ocarina. Um, it's Ocarina. It's Ocarina. Yeah. It's on. Ocarina. Yeah. Man, I don't Sorry. Like it. I don't like it. Well, the facts don't care about your feelings, Wait, Brandon. What do you want it to be instead? Ocarina. Ocarina. Yeah. Ocarina. Oh. That okay. would be like O A K Arena. It's like a jambalaya. Yeah. What if it's an Ocarina made of oak? Is that an Ocarina? Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking about uh, the pronunciation of words in, in the Japanese language, and uh, mm. ah is not in there in that way. I would say that nothing could be finer than to play an ocarina. <laughs> okay, let's let's talk about let's talk about how emulate Metroid Dread right now and it's better. Uh, is yeah. that is that destroying video games? No, <laughs> it plays real good on those emulators. I can tell you from firsthand experience. Uh oh, am I going to jail? Whoa! Uh. It's uh, it's making that game better. You know what's going to save video games is if we all uh, get rid of these arbitrary boxes that only play certain types of games and just get on the computer. So uh, yeah. Let's do it, everyone. And uh, just to confirm, I went to Japanese Wikipedia here, and it is uh, Ocarina. Is it a Japanese word? Like, is that the origin? Yeah, where's the origin of the Ocarina? It's a Japanese game. <laughs> well, I understand that Ocarina of Time is a Japanese-made game, but... Okay, so canonically, it's, canonically, it's Ocarina of Time, but that's the right. instrument might be Ocarina. That's possible. Okay, that's fair. It is an, an Italian instrument. Ah, mm -hmm. oh, man. Mm. Ocarina. 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 Oh, let's not do this. That, that explains why Mario's always playing it. My hunch is that if it's Italian, it is okay. Ocarina. 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 Uh, Ocar no, Ocarina. Okay, I think it's Ocarina. <laughs> Ocarina. I don't know, man. We got to get some Italians on the horn. If only we knew some Italians. Uh, next question. 
Who are, despite all odds, the nicest and most well-adjusted people you know in video games? Against all odds. Like players or uh, industry folks? Anyone around video games who you would think would be a lot worse but aren't. Oh, man. I mean, I don't want to say that I think anybody's worse. So right. I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna reinterpret this question as people who are nice, perhaps despite success. Right. That's what I, that's part of what I mean. And like, despite the pressures of the industry that might jade one into being a worse person. Yeah. I'm just going to talk about nice people. Yeah. Daniel Rosenfeld, C418, very nice person. Um, the cool guy. Co composer of Minecraft video games. And also we, we tried to work together for a while. He's got one album of that's called like failures or something. I forget what it's called. There are three or four songs from a game that we were trying to work on together in there that never quite came together but um yeah so that guy's pretty cool and just such a genuinely nice person who actually just emailed me recently because he saw my name in the or heard my name in in tim's new review that he did i was surprised because he sent an email and i was like is this spam i hadn't watched tim's video yet let me see if i can find this here because it's it's very good it the title is business proposal and the body text was i can't believe you don't like the matrix <laughs> yeah oh yeah it was what do you mean you don't like the, the matrix in all caps so that, that's that's my daniel rosenfeld interaction for today. good guy good guy who else is nice vincent diamante he's pretty nice former insert credit yeah, the famous vincent <laughs> diamante World famous Vincent. Hey, have you ever met a person and you're just like, this is them. This person is entirely themselves. <laughs> like, there's no other person that is this person. I feel like Vince is one of those. He's just Vince all day long. So far, you're naming composers. Are video game mm. composers the nicest people in video games? Oh, maybe they are. Yeah, they really need the work. So yeah, <laughs> yeah nice they gotta, everybody. They got to ingratiate themselves. All of them try to connect me on LinkedIn. So. That's right. I met a composer on the street yesterday in my new neighborhood he was walking around trying to sell people sonic internet and he had just come here from wisconsin and uh or minnesota i don't know what's, i don't know what the difference is yeah <laughs> but um he's trying to make it as a video game composer out here in oakland yeah they gotta hustle sorry buddy i'm on Ristar internet nice so i'm still stuck on trying to assume people shouldn't be well adjusted that's a, that's kind of rough yeah, for that's, me but the, that's a tough one yeah the, the closest i can come in in my life with people i've met is that um anita sarkeesian uh she introduced herself and was very warm and friendly and it was like why do you trust anybody oh yeah talk? yeah that's, that's true. a good point yeah <laughs> she's incredible yeah very warm and welcoming and and we talked about founding 501c3s and stuff like that and she's she's great you know that was actually one of my first impressions also of interacting with ash mm. insert credits own ash parish because looking at the replies to her articles and tweets and stuff and oh they're the horrifying terrifying horrible hate stuff that she gets because she exists and then hearing her just be like a warm nice caring person is like how did you how did you do this <laughs> how did right. you become how did you stay a nice person after these people are saying this kind of i don't know man it's rough yeah it's definitely she's definitely that against all odds maintain yeah that's what i'm of, talking about yeah that's how I feel about um, Victoria Tran, who mm -hmm. is this, the community Ellie. director for Among Us. She really puts herself on the front lines, and I think she's helped to shape that community and that brand by being a leader and not hiding behind anonymity. It, it helps to humanize the brand. She's got to be dealing with a lot of nonsense, too, though. Yeah, because it's such an old ages game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
You just gotta keep in mind that a lot of the people harassing you might be 12. Yeah. Absolutely. Kind of learning how to be good people on you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Using you to learn. Yeah. Casting our memories back to a time when there were video game conventions, what don't most people know about running a convention booth? Mm. You gotta pay for power. Really? Yeah. It's wow. It's really everything. expensive. Chairs. Yeah, convention centers love to charge you for absolutely anything. Yes, chairs, right? Like like yeah. how much is it to rent a chair? Like like a hundred dollars a day for like crappy chair? Yeah. Uh, floor padding is another one. Oh, right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and quite Wi -Fi. often you can't bring your own because the, yes, yeah. the union has to do it. And but because the union has to do it, you often have to wait an incredibly long time to get a thing that you want because you got to get the one guy who's mm -hmm. like the chair guy who can come out and get you that chair. And in Japan, you have to rent the screens quite often. You can't bring your own screen. Sometimes you can, mm -hmm. but uh, often you got to you got to rent a screen along with your booth space and the power and it's, it's weird stuff. Sometimes you can't bring in your own stuff, like the right. stuff you're displaying even, which I mean, example comes to mind for me is uh, setting up our foundation booth at GDC, which was kind of like a micro museum. Like we were expected to, you know, wait in line behind delivery trucks in my 2002 Saturn L series sedan <laughs> to like hand my tubs over to someone to deliver to my booth. So I didn't do that. Uh, I just kind of found a parking spot and brought my stuff in. Don't tell GDC. Yeah. You got to pay huge tariffs or import duties or whatever if you're selling stuff and you're not from the US and mm. you're exhibiting here. I remember, I think it was, was it Cappy? So one of those companies, bring they brought like a box of t-shirts to sell and then they got caught by border patrol or whatever and and they were like you have to pay x amount of money and they're like that's more than we would get selling these and you know unseen costs that a lot of folks can have that's awful i'm sorry yeah too bad for them yeah if you have someone who's done events before it's indispensable the relationships that you build year to year and you start to get to know different vendors and the people that work conventions and learn where you can get the deals and where the best um locations are and you just don't that's the kind of institutional knowledge that is you can't just replace yeah it's too bad the indie mega booth is gone oh i didn't know that that yeah like um two years ago i think with with the pandemic they were like you yeah. know we can't can't really do this anymore and every booth is kind of gone now it's true it's true they, there's but booths booths are coming back they're coming back in a big way gdc is going to be a hybrid event um dice is happening i've seen some events happening and something just happened in brighton Magfest came back. Yeah. 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 I don't know if it's uh, ill advised, but uh, it's happening. Everybody masking up at these? Well, they, they got the, the vaccines and the masks. Ah. Uh, so I think that's all right. It's okay. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously not ideal, but it's something. I heard some people that went to Gen Con this year actually really enjoyed it because it was a lot more, a lot less people and the masks. I mean, everyone knows about con flu, and that right. wasn't as much of a thing this time around oh, because great. of masks yeah 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 that's hot stuff maybe uh -huh. we should just wear masks at conventions all the time man i'm probably gonna. honestly correct yeah seems like a good idea to me i now have an excuse to wear a mask outside in front of other people for the rest of my life so uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> i might be doing it uh that's uh something we'll be able to consider further as we go into the break 
point where if you want to get some water or something, we can do that, or we can just roll right through. Uh, we should probably roll because we were yeah, on a time. We got a time, here, right? time limit. All right. Love to roll. Sorry, everybody. No, no problem. I got stuff to do. This is great for me, actually. <laughs> yeah, Frank's okay, loving good. it. Okay. Welcome back to Insert Credit. It's time for us to dive into the aforementioned dirt bag. Aforementioned. Uh, this is the part of the show where we take one of the questions submitted to us by our generous backers at patreon.com slash insert credit, where you can get access to the form, which allows you to submit those questions, where you'll also get access to each of our episodes one day early. One day early? <laughs> <laughs> one day early. Yes, and nailed it. <laughs> nailed it. And even exclusive bonus episodes uh, every month or so. And other treats as they come through yeah, they're nonsense this week's question comes from spencer who asks how do we get gamers to talk less about brands and ip and more about the people who make video games uh it's so hard we got to teach them entirely how to make a video game kind of but at the same time like you know you look you look somebody up and you think wow this person did this thing but that is probably some small facet of what their role was credits in video games aren't necessarily complete and they don't paint a full picture of what somebody did and you know you got a Hideo Kojima game made by 150 people or whatever I don't know probably one answer is to have more like Cliff Blazinski's and Miyamoto's and stuff because in general people want to talk about something that's easier for them to understand and it's easy for them to understand this person directed this they're in charge of it and it has their unique flair and that's something that they can get but i feel like we're past that day almost like having a famous quote rock star video game developer like how, how do you how do you get regular style famous anymore in a way that people know your name i don't know i mean i i don't think i'm merely being cynical uh when i say this so but you can you can you can put some cynicism in here people only think about what they're told to think about and it would take there being like a crappy reality show or something uh, that gets really popular for people to think about how games are made by people. And even then, it would only be thinking about those specific people. I don't think people would apply that to other games or anything. We're tribal, right? Like we're, we're, we're tribal by nature and we like discussing the same stuff. And the easiest way to do that is to consume the same things. And assuming that people want to go the extra mile and, and think about things, you know, beyond what they can easily consume online I, I just i don't see it um so i don't i don't think there is a way that we you know change people's minds to start thinking about people first i mean we don't think about labor first anywhere if that's kind of where this is going i mean like you know the the reaction to you know strikes in hollywood and stuff is like is better not delay my marvel movie yeah yeah <laughs> you know? as a public facing figure I feel like we have been trained as people in the industry not to be transparent and not to be public facing because there have so often been real dire consequences for being that person. And that's part of why I admire Victoria Tran so much, because that's a really bold and brave move to put yourself so public facing. And just the ire of players can be very toxic. And I think that if a company uses brands and IP, they're using it as a shield to add a layer between the player and themselves as people. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of games are trying to 
change now is uh, we talk a lot about increasing transparency and dev transparency, and it's a culture that you have to cultivate. And uh, it's it's very difficult. But I do I I think everything that Frank and Brandon you're saying makes a lot of sense. Like John Carpenter's Halloween. Mm-hmm. We're like now, all, yeah, all we want is Marvel movies. Just push the Marvel button. <laughs> like it, that's what sells. But no one's like, and there's other people who worked on John Carpenter movies, and I care about them. You know, yeah. like that, that no one goes that far, if that's what we're talking about here. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Right. We just sure. want it to be people credited as game creators. Yeah, you just, it's the same in any other industry, just, you know, John Carpenter movies or, you know, Stan Lee was the Marvel Comics guy, right? Like, at it's, best, you get one guy. Yeah. I feel like it kind of has to be someone who is, who can become popular doing it, has to do like deep dives into, you know, various people, what they did, how they worked on things. And I, I feel like Danny's no clip series humanizes game development a bit, but you wind up oh, just talking good, about yeah. the big studios. The idea of a reality show isn't a bad one if that's the goal. If that's the goal, yes. Yeah. We'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, Right now, I'd like to ask you, has a video game ever satisfactorily addressed an issue or concern or complaint you had with it while you were playing it? While I was playing it. So like, I have a problem with this game and then a little, like 10 minutes later, I'm like, oh, they they understood that. Yeah. Like uh, my friend Mark, he was recently playing the... uh, Higurashi uh, visual novel and he was bothered by this particular plot hole in it and like halfway through the game they explain it like oh okay and he just wasn't expecting them to address that but it doesn't have to be story I mean there's games where the frame rate gets better later (laughs) 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 because the first stage has too many objects on it and then later stages don't have as many Uh, not quite what I was thinking about I was thinking about something that justifies the thing you had a problem with in retrospect Oh. Well, I'm okay. Like this is probably more my fault than the games, and I can't think of specific examples. But there have definitely been times where I'm like, "Why isn't this game have a map?" And then I find the button that does it later. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I think the problem with this question for me is once I hit one of those infuriating things, I'm like, "Well, I got five million other video games to play. I'm gonna go play one of those." I don't have the stick to itiveness to pass. Uh, yes, the near fishing problem. That's right. So, I mean, I did I did get through the near fishing, but it's not because it got better later. I mean, I thought it was fine the whole time was was the thing. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I guess the answer is I have not had that experience. (laughs) And all I can think about is, you know, doing this one specific task is so difficult, but then you achieve the weapon or the tool that makes it easier. I, I thought the initial question was specifically like the developers receiving feedback on something and then they were really good about improving um which then my answer is development cycles are so slow that it's hard to feel immediate yeah. but destiny destiny i did feel like the most recent destiny i thought has addressed a lot of the early complaints when it first released i mean i have a very specific one that maybe i've mentioned on here before Let's but hear it. uh tomac the shooting on gp32 mm-hmm. <laughs> um, relatable i believe i was the only person to receive a preview rom of this video game in uh maybe the world (laughs) and i wrote a preview of it and i had several complaints which were addressed by the time the final game came out and i was like i wonder if this is a coincidence but the brandon patch upon reflection i was the only person who wrote about that game (laughs) period so it probably wasn't a coincidence so thanks guys such power yeah it's cool to feel like somebody's boss for a second yeah 
let's talk a little bit more about the development cycle side of it and receiving and reacting to feedback. I mean, I've done a lot of it. We yeah. had a game, uh, Gunhouse, uh, our, our first game that we made at Necrosoft. In an earlier iteration, I had the the puzzle, which is where you do most of your like moving your finger around. It was it was for um, PlayStation Vita touchscreen at that time. So I, I thought, you know, you move your your D pad with your left thumb usually, and so mm-hmm. I I was like, I'll have people engage with the puzzle uh, board in this game on the left hand side of the screen uh, because that's where people usually do it. And I was using my thumb to swipe around, and it worked well. And then I took it to E3 and showed it to people. And the very first thing people did was take their right hand, obscure the entirety of the screen so that they could uh, swipe over on the left side. And and like just absolutely my anticipation of what people would do was completely Whoops. incorrect just right away. And so I, we, just, we had to flip everything, which led to a, an amusing bug later because some of the enemies were introduced right facing left and they had to be flipped. But once we did the flip, then we introduced enemies left facing right. And so then sometimes you would get into these situations where enemies were moonwalking because we couldn't remember which one was supposed to be flipped and which wasn't. <laughs> Very dumb. Good times. Good times. Here's where we're doubling back to that reality show question, kind of. Where would the point in each episode of a TV documentary series about game companies where a still flips to a photo negative and the voiceover goes, and that's where it all went wrong? So we're telling you where things went wrong in some video game story? Yeah, yeah. If, if you were making a series of uh, documentaries about video game stuff, what's the point you would dramatize as the downfall? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it, it, it went well in the end, but we would we could have at least five record scratches for Deadly Premonition when it got canceled again and again and again. Yeah. That would be pretty good. Um, I mean, with, with Ubisoft, you could just have... Uh, a big allegations episode <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> just keeps going wrong over there. But there's not moments, you know, that's just constant there, I would think. Yeah, I guess that's a constant stream. You gotta, what are we freeze framing on? Yeah. Yeah. Must yeah. be a moment. I, for me, it would be a loot box in Star Wars Battlefront 2. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good one. Oh, that's a good one. Points uh, awarded. Some, something with Sega in the 90s, but th- we all know there's no moment. But we yeah. like to pretend there was that we like to pretend we could go back and save Sega. Yeah, it's a running theme here. Call it. I don't know when they introduced the Saturn really early at the E3. That's the one. Sure. People like that one. Simplifying history. That's what we do. That's <laughs> the point of this question. This is this is more of a kind of universal industry thing. But I think if you got like a Zynga Facebook game and then a player is like, wait, I can't play anymore. And it zooms in on the energy mechanic. <laughs> freeze frames there yeah because uh that goddamn energy mechanic has uh ruined a lot of stuff in my just opinion. like the gem packs tab where you see like a bag and a chest and a vault full of overflowing gems yeah man i do love clicking on the open up those dang chests though and clash royale god darn it i want all the gotcha without all the the gotcha got ya. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I want the gotch without the yeah. I want the git. I don't want the got. Yeah. Yeah. I want to get. I can't do that. (laughs) I don't want to get got. I want to got get. I want to get gotcha. (laughs) Don't want the gotcha to get me. (laughs) I need to do um, 
see if I can actually get anyone to go on record about this and do a retrospective. I'll do it. it. But the okay, <laughs> the um, the Vita, uh, as far as I understand, the PlayStation Vita was going to have a lot more RAM than it shipped mm-hmm. with, and it was kind of proposed to developers as you could put your PS3 games on here, and then it came out with half the graphical RAM that it was supposed to. So then they were like, oh, we can't do any of that stuff. So there would definitely be, assuming that that is correct and my sources are are remembering correctly themselves, then that would definitely be the moment extremely early on, right before production, when the Vita went wrong. Uh, Yeah, I'll go on the record and confirm that's that's absolutely true. Okay, thanks, Frank. (laughs) On the record, Frank says, yes. 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 What a Half the RAM. Powerful. We should have put more RAM in there and then that would have been different for some reason. I think people it would have. liked it. Oh, well, people were like, oh, this Vita's not powerful enough? No, it was the, the consumers, the, I mean. The problem was developers were not able to make the games that were promised and they wound up having a hard time. Like optimizing Gunhouse, which is a small 2D game on the Vita, was a chore. Um, sure. it's, it's just like a resource hog and once you do one or two of those you're like i don't i don't need to do this and i do think that there seriously something went wrong because the psp sold over 80 million units and the vita sold less than five or around five all right five units big difference yeah less than five units it was about five million <laughs> all right i think we've got enough for a little mini series here Friend of the show, Kazuma Hashimoto, wrote a terrific piece for Polygon this week about the narrative dissonance in the latest Call of Duty game in its attempts to both call attention to and simultaneously glorify duty, the horrors of war. Oh, wow. (laughs) Is there any way forward for Call of Duty to ethically redeem itself, or is it doomed to keep being garbage forever? I don't think it can redeem itself. Well, you said way forward, and I'm just imagining a way forward Call of Duty now. Yeah, a little cute Call of Duty do you make? Yeah. Uh, That's what I intended. Okay. I don't know if that would make it a, a good game, but I'd look at it more. I'd like look at screenshots. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard with with war games because they are like Call of Duty has become such a recruitment tool kind of a thing for American war fighting that I don't think that's redeemable. But then I'm thinking about like when Frank made the way forward joke, I'm thinking about like a metal slug looking Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I'd probably check that out. <laughs> that would be really fun. Yeah. yeah. I would join yeah. the army right after playing that. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> if you if it was so cartoonish that you couldn't possibly take it seriously, maybe. Yeah. yeah. I mean, games are supposed to be fun. That's the whole idea, I think, for the most part. And saying this is a game that's fun, but also it's about modern day warfare, there's automatically a cognitive dissonance. Yeah. So like Battlefield, what they're doing like a 2042, right? Where it's in the future or a game that's in the far past. What was the World War One or two Call of Duty Battlefield game? One. Battlefield One. Yeah. The Battlefield One, but Call of Duty also did World War games that were yeah, super the, fun. The first Call of Duty games were all set in World War Two. Yeah. So, but we're talking about Call of Duty Way Forward. That's, that's the title of the Way Forward. The yeah. 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 We, we've we've dubbed it. I don't think you can do both. So unless they really pivot between one of their development studios, um, I'll play lots of Nazi Zombies. If that's what the direction they want to go, they do seem to want to do more shooting Nazi zombies. Yeah, they like the zombies. But I'd rather play Wolfenstein and get me some real life zombies. 
And some real life Nazis. Those are real life zombies. Yeah. I said I said real life Nazis. <laughs> oh no. You, oh. you definitely said real life zombies, Brandon. No way. You absolutely did. I? did. No Roll way. the tape back, Esper. Yeah. Roll the tape back. <laughs> But I'd rather play Wolfenstein and get me some real life zombies. Well, I didn't. I meant Nazis. They got some zombie Nazis in there too, though. It's true, but they regardless, do. yeah. And that's the thing. Wolfenstein is fantasy, but except for when yeah. it's real life, of course. But that's more fun to me. Absolutely, you got to fictionalize it some more, and don't don't forget yeah. put Ronald Reagan in there, being like, "Oh yes." You boys are the best that we got. We got to go out and get them commie bastards out there because we. <laughs> Freaking Ronald Reagan. Is Ronald Reagan going to be a future guest on the show? No, he's he, oh, on the show. Brandon yeah. couldn't make it this, this week, but we do yeah. have Ronald Reagan. We got Reagan. We got old Ronnie. <laughs> Mammy, et cetera. Yeah. Et cetera. He put him in one of those old Futurama head jars. Got him on the show by popular yep. demand. His hair is the same as always. Hey, what if what if there's a Call of Duty game, but uh, you were Bugs Bunny and you were like doing cartoon stuff to soldiers? Oh, that's pretty good. Oh my gosh! Uh, like oh. you were like you tunneled your way up on the way to Timbuktu. Yeah, and then ended up in the <laughs> took a wrong toilet, Normandy Beach. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You put like dynamite in people's butts, you know. Well, not like oh their butt holes, but like yeah. their butt pockets, you know. Oh, sure. Yeah. Butt yeah. holes are just too graphic. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah, there's very little anal insertion in Looney. <laughs> right. Yeah. He, he's not really. I mean, I, he might be into that. No, no judging, but you know, it's <laughs> oh, not really that's appropriate for a game. Put it in like the 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 butts, and then also like in the gun nozzles or whatever mm-hmm. they're called. Yeah. Gun holes. You're basically breaking the fourth wall of call of duty like bringing yeah. in deadpool yeah the the pvp is uh duck season rabbit season ah mm. oh, there my. we go we've solved it congratulations bugs bunny's call of duty and we call it uh call of looney yeah there you go ah, there it is, there, it is. Like there it. we have it and that's not a way forward it's someone else all right i think it's time for us to go right into our lightning round uh this week i have a special game prepared that i'm calling celebrity gamer tags I'm going to name an actual famous person's Xbox Live gamer tag, oh, no. and you have to guess who it belongs to. Holy crap. Any famous person ever? Like, we, we don't get, like, multiple choice or anything? No, you don't get multiple choice. You have to guess. What, what do you consider famous? Like, are we talking movie stars? Are we talking TikTokers? Like... Uh, no TikTokers on the list. Okay, okay. I'll tell you that. This one is... M. Rodriguez. I assume it's Michelle Rodriguez. Frank, do you have a guess? Uh, Michelle Rodriguez. Jackie? Uh, I'm going to go with Michelle Rodriguez. Michelle Rodriguez is correct. All three of you get the point. <laughs> See? Your next gamer tag is McVinny. Um, man, who's McVinny. that? Who's... What is this? We buzz in? Or do we just shout? All three of you get to guess. At the same time? As soon as you come up with one. Uh, Vince Vaughn. <laughs> nice. I have a guess, but I don't remember what his name is. He's he's the guy who's friends with Aziz Ansari on Parks and Recreation. Hmm. He's got that hair. Oh, uh, the guy with the hair. I'll take yeah, that as he, your he, guess. He, Frank, do you have he, one? Uh, guy with the hair. Uh, McVinney was Vin Diesel. Oh, oh, that's a good one. Oh, that guy is a gun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the guy that's a gun. Number three is Tony in Egypt. Okay. Tony Shalhoub. Okay. <laughs> that's a good one. Great guess. It's um, not Tony Hawk. He would have used his real name. Anthony Hawkins, professional skateboarder. Yeah. It was Tony Hawk. Brandon it was? gets the point. Oh, wow. He said not Tony Hawk, and then I actually said Tony Hawk. I get the point. 
Okay, Frank. You said Anthony Hawkins. I said Anthony Hawkins, his real name. If you really want to win the game, then I'll, I guess I'll give Frank the point. T100. Oh man, what's that guy's name? Got down. The T1000 actor? Oh yeah, it's not the T1000 actor. I mean, I guess it would have to be Arnold Schwarzenegger, but it's probably not Arnold Schwarzenegger. Robert Patrick. Is Robert Patrick T1000? Yes. yes. That's, that's my guess. That guy's way too old to play games, but that's my guess. But Schwarzenegger is T100, so I have to guess. Wow. Uh, he's the T800. Actually. Oh, he's the T800. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, but uh, the correct answer was Mr. T. Aw, that's oh. horrible. Yeah. That's yeah. I like it. <laughs> also, I'm going to reject the notion of too old. Yeah. <laughs> I, could, I could see Tony Shalhoub playing X. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, t- Tony Shalhoub is really into Fortnite right now. Okay. Uh, Lord 187X. <sighs> Lord 187X. Um, I'm going to guess that it is Keanu Reeves. <laughs> okay. Whoa. It's not, but that's who I'm guessing. Justin Bieber. <laughs> that's a good one. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, it's definitely got to be someone a little younger, but not Frank? that young. Uh, I don't have one. Uh, Lord 187X is Ice-T. Oh yeah. So, so I actually, I for just absentmindedly, I googled it. So I didn't, I didn't feel like I could. Like I was like, I didn't um, realize until after I googled it. Like, wait, I'm not supposed to do that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so yeah. I did know it was Ice T. I had to pretend I didn't have a gun. Uh, Betty D L B G C. Betty. Betty D with an F. F E D D E E D L B G C. That's too many um, letters. That's a uh, Kevin Federline. It's a Ooh. very good guess. I don't know. I don't know who that is, except he dated um, some pop, pop ladies. Britney Spears. That's right. L.B. Johnson. That's another great there you guess. Go. <laughs> wow. It's L.B.J. I just lost track of the letters, so I don't uh, know. Fetty D. L.B.G.C. is Limp Biscuit frontman Fred Durst. Oh, okay. nice. Good, good for him. What, is that, what do any of those letters mean? A Fetty is Freddy. D okay. is Durst. LB is Limp Biscuit, wow. and GC is, I believe, GameCube. Gold Cobra, which is the name of an album they released. Oh, I think wow. it's God, God Christ. That's what it God is. Christ. Yeah. Or maybe Gamer Club. Okay, oh, I would have gotten it if it was DC instead of GC because he signed all those game, uh, all those Dreamcasts. That's true. In the in 1999. Our next uh, gamer tag is Jew Boy Fresh. Boy is spelled B-O-I. Uh, Adam um, Sandler. <laughs> That's a good guess. I, I know s- that one of these people uses Jewboy, and I can't remember who. I mean, it's, it's not like there's only one person that uses that, but man, Adam Sandler is a great guess, but I feel like it's someone younger and more ironic. I don't know. What's what's the name of that, that goddamn guy who's um, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen? Okay, Frank, do you have one? Uh, I don't. It was Andy Samberg. Ah. Yes. Yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's who I was trying to think of, actually. Yeah, th- that's absolutely the gamer tag he would have. Uh, yeah. Your next one is Bex, B-E-C-K-S, 021130. That's Bex. I think it's someone who really enjoys drinking Bex beer. Okay. Bex what? What was the number? Bex 021130. Okay, that's meaningless. Um, yeah. yeah I, Beck, I Beck or someone named Rebecca. Yeah, it could be, <clears throat> it could be Rebecca Black. Wait, is that what her name is? That's Rebecca Black. Yeah, singer of Friday. Yes, I'm. I'm gonna say it's her. Okay, uh, Jackie, do you have a guess? Uh, I like Rebecca Black. I'll go. I'll put my chips on that with you. Okay. Uh, it was David Beckham. 
Oh, wow. Soccer player <laughs> David Beckham. Two more. Okay. What did he do on 2002, uh, November 30th? Um, I don't know. Maybe he married Posh Spice then? Oh, old PS. Your next tag is X420 Kush King 420. Oh, man, I have Snoop Dogg. Yeah. I've totally seen this one directly and I can't remember. Is it Snoop Dogg? Um, I'm putting in all three of your guesses as Snoop Dogg and they are all incorrect. It's oh. actually racist puppeteer Jeff Dunham. Oh, okay. I don't know who that That's, is. Is that his full name? Yeah, that is his full name, RPJD. Uh, finally, you're an idiot, 2414. You're is spelled Y-O-U-R and there's an underscore between Ann and idiot. Oh, that's me. <laughs> This is very good. Somebody who likes trolling. Uh, trolling and lolling. <laughs> Who's that? Trolling and lolling. Trolling and lolling. The Insert Credit Podcast. Um, I don't know. Oh, who's who's that one guy who says, look at us? Who's that guy? Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what he was talking about. <laughs> you know, the guy. <laughs> it was a meme for a while. But anyway, that guy. Uh, Paul, Paul Rudd. Rudd. But no, actually, Paul, Paul Rudd. Rudd's gamer tag is Paul Rudd. Oh, that makes sense. That's cool. Well, I lose. Yeah, I I, I, I knew that. I didn't include on the list. Uh, You're an Idiot 2414 was Eminem, Marshall Mathers, the Slim Shady. Uh, trolling and Lolan. Yeah, Trolling and Lolan. Congratulations, Frank. You're the winner of the lightning round. All right. You get to come up with a question next week. I got a point. All right, Jackie, thank you so much for joining us. This is the point of the show where we usually do recommendations. Uh, we're going to skip it this week, but I would like to say that uh, most of you listening probably already know this, but Tim Rogers' long-awaited video, um, Cyberpunk 2077, is now available. Oh, yeah. Give it a look. Go watch that on yeah, youtube.com so slash action button. Show editor Esper Quinn and I both took the 5-6 route, but I recommend that Insert Credit listeners take the 1-6 route, but it's up to you. I'd also like to recommend, if you're listening to this show on any platform where you can subscribe to or review podcasts, that you engage with us in that way to keep the algorithms pushing us upwards and forwards. You could also go to patreon.com slash insert credit where you could become a patron to submit your own topics, get our regular episodes one day early. One day early! <laughs> and even access monthly bonus episodes and other exclusive content. You could also join us at forums.insertcredit.com and follow us on Twitter. Uh, this show is edited by Esper Quinn with music by Kurt Feldman. Once more, I'm Alex Jaffe. I'm Frank Cipaldi. I'm Brandon Sheffield. I'm Jackie Cole. Hi, Esper. <laughs> and you have now completed the episode. Congratulations. All right. Thank you very much for joining us. We finished exactly at five. You can get the heck out of here. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.